Well, it is great to be with you and to worship together this morning. This morning, we're going to take a break from 1 John, and we're going to talk about our nation this morning. Take your Bibles or your electronic devices, and we'll also have the passages up on the screen this morning. We're going to start out as a jump-off point with Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. Proverbs 14, 34. The psalmist declares, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Can we read that together this morning? Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The word that's used for righteousness is a word that means to conform to a certain standard or expectation. God has standards and expectations for each one of us. We're also going to see this morning from God's Word that He has expectations for the nations. Not just for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, though there were expectations for them, but also for all the pagan nations as well. God ordained government. I don't know why I've got a frog in my throat this morning. It's probably because of what we're talking about. I feel that I'm walking a tightrope this morning. There have been people from both ends of the spectrum that have been saying, Butch, when are you going to address what's going on in our nation? When are you going to have something to say about this. And of course, I may disappoint both ends of the spectrum this morning. There may not be many people happy with what we share this morning. And I'll talk more about that as we move forward in this message. But righteousness is what God expects of nations. The opposite of this righteousness is dishonesty or immorality. Righteousness is God's values and God's character in action. And human beings, based on their ability alone, cannot reach the level of righteousness that God demands and that God desires. But God still has his standard of what he expects, both from his children and from the governments that God himself ordained. Now, I want to say right off the bat here this morning that I love America, and I pray that God will bless America. God has blessed America in the past. We are probably, with the exception of the nation of Israel, we have probably received more of God's blessing than any other nation in the history of this world. God has blessed America, 
And we pray that he will continue to bless this country. But let's be honest, there are problems that we are facing today. First of all, we have the problem of this virus, COVID-19, facing us as a nation. We also have the virus that I'm going to call racism that is facing this nation. We have the problem of the murder of George Floyd. And indeed, I particularly chose that word, the murder of George Floyd. There is little disagreement, even from those who are in law enforcement, that what happened to George Floyd should not have happened. To kneel on the neck of another man only a few feet from his face while he lay dying, is unspeakably depraved. Not to render aid to someone in need as a first responder was a violation of his duty. To ignore not only the repeated pleas of George Floyd, but of several bystanders who pointed out that Mr. Floyd was bleeding from his nose, that the police officers were killing him, that he was unresponsive is reprehensible beyond imagining. It should not have occurred. It was wrong. And it's a problem that we are facing in our country. We are facing a problem of rioting in our streets, equally a problem. And we are facing a problem in our country of disrespect for law enforcement officials. All of this is swirling around in a great big cauldron. John MacArthur, a very respected Bible teacher and pastor in California, over the last few weeks, has addressed what's going on in our country. And I want to read a quote that partially shares his viewpoint. He said, We are obviously living in very bizarre times that have produced massive fear and confusion. On top of that, our society is drowning in a sea of lies. Lies about virtually everything and lies on top of fear and confusion create an almost fatal insecurity and a devastating chaos. We have little confidence in believing what politicians say, or what health officials say, or what social activists say, or what university professors say, or what the media says, or frankly, what religious leaders say. We have been lied to so constantly, and there is one to whom we can turn and always hear the truth. That is to the living God who has revealed himself on the pages of Scripture, the one true living God. And Scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar. So confusing. It's essential to keep harmless working people locked down at home, kept away from their jobs and businesses so they don't get the flu. But 
It's also essential, in fact, more essential, to let people bent on doing harm run free in the cities, destroying the very places people earn their living. Let the strong and the violent run loose to create havoc. Call on all the forces to grind the world to a halt to stop a virus. Then remove all restraint from a far more deadly virus set out to destroy a whole nation. Demand justice when a man's life is taken. Let me pause there. And there should be justice for the man's life that was taken. And then applaud lawless mobs of criminals attacking the police. Put the police in a position where they can't act to protect property, but rebel mobs are allowed to destroy it. You can't shop in a store, but you can loot it. You can't work, but you're free to steal. You can't attend church, but you can burn it down. You can't eat in a restaurant, but you can demolish it. Now we're seeing charges being brought in these riots. Not against the rioters, but against the police. And by the way, if you worship the God of anger, the God of hate, or the God of vengeance, you can have church anywhere, anytime, indoors or outdoors, without any rules. You're completely free to worship the God of mayhem. And the perverted solution to this is to abolish the police, those who are the protectors of the good and the punishers of those who do evil. Now, what is important for us this morning is not the opinion of John MacArthur or the opinion of any other religious leader, or quite frankly, my opinion or my political leanings, my goal this morning is to just go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God has to say, because God's Word can be trusted. Let all the world be a liar. God is true. So what do we know from God's word, first of all? Number one, we know that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Psalm twenty-two twenty-eight declares this, for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Even when it seems like this world is out of control, Even when it seems that there is total chaos everywhere, God is still on his throne. He is ruling, he is reigning, he is sovereign, and he is working everything out according to his purposes. God is still in control, and he's never had a time when he wasn't in control. We have gathered together to worship a sovereign God. Even when we don't understand, he understands. Secondly, God's word declares that God ordained human government. Romans 13, 1 to 4. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. 
And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. That is the purpose of government. It has been ordained by God, and government is to applaud those who do good, and those who do evil should fear the government. Now, based on what Romans 13, 1 to to verse 4 tells us, God's Word is declaring that disobedience to human government is disobedience to God most of the time. Disobedience to human government is disobedience to God because God ordained the government. Now, I said most of the time because there is an exception See, because government is to promote good works, but when government promotes that which is evil, when government promotes laws that violate the word of God, we must not obey. Any law that contradicts God's word must be disobeyed. Peter and the apostles are called before the government of their day, and they say, said this, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. There's our standard. A righteous nation is not going to institute laws that violate the word of God. You catch that? A righteous nation. And for a nation to be exalted, it must be righteous. And we obey our government until our government disobeys God and demands that we disobey God. Then we do not do what our government tells us to do. God's word also declares that it is the role of government to protect the oppressed. Isaiah 10, 1 to 2. Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees, and the writers who keep writing oppression to turn the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my people of their right, that widows may be their spoil and that they may make the fatherless their prey. Government has a role in protecting those individuals who are oppressed. The Word of God also declares that the root problem that we're facing with all the problems facing this country is a sin issue. Its root is in sin. 
In Jeremiah 17, 9, the prophet declares, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And oh, how that describes our times and our day. We have evil being declared as the right thing and good being declared as evil. Now, those are the undergirdings of God's Word. Now, let's talk about this morning what God holds nations accountable for. Right? First of all, he holds nations accountable for cruelty. For cruelty. Amos chapter 1, verse 13. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the Ammonites and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have ripped open pregnant women in Gilead that they might enlarge their border. God calls nations accountable when they decide they are just going to expand and they are going to expand through cruelty, showing cruelty to people. God tells governments, that is not right, and I will hold you accountable for that. And notice very clearly in the passage, Amos is speaking to the Ammonites, not to the nation of Israel, not to the chosen people of God, but to another nation. God is saying, this is wrong, and you should not do this, and I will not look the other way when you do these things. Secondly, God holds nations accountable for arrogance. Obadiah 1.3, the pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live, live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwellings, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? He's speaking there to Edom, the nation who dwelt in the cliffs. And their attitude was, no one can ever bring us down. No one can ever defeat us. We are safe, we are secure, and there is no way that we can fall. Well, that very attitude, that very thought process, guess where that comes from? Satan himself, who was filled with pride and said that he was going to make himself like God. But what happened to Satan? What happened to Lucifer? He was kicked out. He was thrown out. And he lost his position. And any time any nation boasts and brags that there is no way anything can ever happen to us, that is arrogant. And God holds nations accountable for their arrogance. God holds nations accountable for violence. Joel 3.19. Egypt shall become a desolation, 
and Edom a desolate wilderness for the violence done to the people of Judah because they have shed innocent blood in their land. Because innocent blood was shed. God holds them accountable. God holds nations accountable for indifference toward him. Zechariah chapter 7, verses 9 to 11. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn soldier and stopped their ears that they might not hear. Basically, they said, I'm sticking my fingers in my ears. I don't want to hear what you have to say, God. Having an indifference toward the God. And then... God holds nations accountable for a lack of compassion. Ezekiel 16, verses 48 to 50. As I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and her daughters have not done as you and your daughters have done. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but they did not aid the poor and the needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. This is how God interacts with the nations and what he expects of them. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. So what should we do? What should we do as individuals? Right? Number one, we should pray. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus told them that we are engaged in a battle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of this present darkness, and spiritual forces of evil. As Rick Colelli read for us this morning, the Apostle Paul tells us that we are to pray for those who are in leadership over us. We need to pray. The Apostle Paul talks about putting on the full armor of God. And he says in that in Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. I challenge us this morning, as we have been perplexed, as we have been bothered, as we have been concerned 
about everything going on in our country, how much time have we spent praying about it? Have you spent as much time praying as you've spent complaining? As we think through from our differing perspectives, this must be done or that must be done, how much of that is bathed in prayer by us? I'm going to confess this morning, I'm guilty. I've done a whole lot more complaining and a whole lot more railing than I have done praying. We need to be praying for our leaders. We need to be praying for our country. We need to realize foremost and utmost we are engaged in a spiritual battle. And there is only so much that government can do. The root of the problem is the sin problem. And if we really want these issues dealt with, it's going to take a work of God changing the hearts of individuals. Pray. Pray. And then pray some more. It's a spiritual battle. What should we do? We should also seek justice. We should seek justice. Isaiah 117. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Seek justice. Sometimes we, as the white evangelical church, we have been accused, and rightly so many times, for our lack of crying out for justice for all people. Many times if something does not impact our own lives individually, on an individual level, we seem to assume there is no problem there. There is a problem of racism in our country that does need to be addressed. There are people who are oppressed. There are attitudes that lead, not on the part of everyone, but there are attitudes that exist that caused what occurred to George Floyd. And we cannot bury our heads in the sand and pretend that there are not racists within our country. Now, someone may argue, well, there's racists on both sides. It doesn't make either side right. It doesn't make any side right. Sin is sin. It's important for us to recognize that the life of every black man is important. The life of every black woman is important. The life of every black child is important. The life of every black 
baby, including those who are still in their mother's womb, that is important before our God. We need to take a stand for those who are oppressed. Now, let me speak of something, though, this morning, very clearly. As we speak out, we need to be careful about those that we join our voices with. I mean, there's a movement today for everyone to be a part of the Black Lives Matter movement. Before you do that, may I just plead with you? Go check and see what Black Lives Matter stands for. It's not just for the lives of individuals that are black. There are many other things that in their charter they say, this is what we stand for. And I would love to detail that for you this morning, but time does not permit. Check it out yourself before you align yourself with an organization that holds many positions that are anti the word of God. Having said that, though, we can still speak out for the rights and for justice for every human being, for all have been created in the image of God. And I know, I know, I, I saw the headline uh, this week that said, if you cannot embrace Black Lives Matter, you are either a racist or you are ignorant. Okay, we don't agree with that, but let's get over that and may not make that our focus. Let's focus on the fact that the life of every black man is important before God. The life of every black woman is important before God. The life of every black child and every black baby is important before God. As we have opportunity Wherever God has placed us in this society, we should seek justice and we should correct the oppression that is going on. The statue of Lady Justice shows the scales even with a blindfold on. That is how it should truly be. And as we seek justice and as we do good, it is important for us as well to stand with those in our culture that God has ordained our law enforcement officials that bring order to our land. Look, there are bad people in every profession. There are good teachers and there are some bad teachers. There are 
some good preachers and there are some bad preachers. Pick the profession. We have some in, in every profession, those who behave as they should and those who behave in ways that they shouldn't. And so let's not turn on any whole profession and say they're all bad. And let's recognize what a difficult job there is for law enforcement, our court officials, and for everyone involved in this country in bringing justice and ending oppression. Let's pray as well for our politicians. Oh my, don't they need it? Don't they need it? We are dealing with complex issues that require wisdom, and God is the source of all wisdom. Let's pray that they will do that which is right in the eyes of God. What should we do? We should foremost and utmost love our God. This is the greatest commandment. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second commandment is like it. Matthew 22, verses 38 to 40. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let me say that again. We should love our neighbor as ourselves. And who is our neighbor? Jesus taught us through his parable of the Good Samaritan. It is whoever we come in contact with who has a need. Whether they're like us or unlike us. It doesn't matter. We are to love our neighbor. We are to love them and as we would love ourselves because this is what God would require of us. There are complex issues facing us as a nation. As I said, there are not simple solutions. If there were, they would have been enacted already. But we need to, first of all, examine our own hearts to make sure we are right before God. And then secondly, we need to look to God for the answers. Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves before you this morning. Father, I would ask that you would forgive us as individuals for where we have sinned, where we have been indifferent, for things that you would ask of us to do that we have not done, and for things that you've told us we must not do that we have done. Oh, Lord, this country is a collection of the people of this country. 
And Lord, we pray that we might seek your face, that we would love you, that we would serve you. Father, I ask that you would pour a healing oil from you over this country. Father, we pray that you would help us to seek after you and to do what you would require of us. We love you, Lord. It's our desire to love and serve you. Help us, Lord, that we will look unto you. I pray that you will bring an end to racism within this country. I pray that you will bring about the end of injustice. I pray that you will give us peace and that you will bless us as a nation so that we might be a blessing to others. For this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.